0: This episode of the Unnamed Automotive Podcast is brought to you by Roland Gumpert and the Gumpert Natalie, the first electric car powered by a methanol fuel cell. Be sure to head to RolandGumpert.com to learn more about this electric super sports car, or check the links in our show notes. Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hajisad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you've listened to our podcast, let me tell you, we're going to talk about some pretty interesting cars today. But first, let me talk about Ben. You see, Ben is a very professional, superb automotive journalist, and he's written for a bajillion publications. Ben, could you just uh, run down a list of two or three of your recent publications that you've written for?
1: Uh, Let's go with Motor Trend, Super Street, and Hagerty Classic Car. Woo!
0: they're so special. I love all of those publications to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely thresh. cutting
1: Sammy's reaction out of the podcast. Uh,
0: I would love to write for any three of those. So when Ben finally gives up and moves on to bigger and better things, I'm just going to be waiting to, to get my Ben's life, finished digging his hole in the ground. <laughs> Uh, Me, on the other hand, you can find most of my work at autoguide.com as well as its YouTube channel, and you'll find more more recent work at autotrader.ca. But enough with all of the old stuff, and let's talk about the new stuff. Ben, what have you been driving this past week?
1: Well, I spent some time with a vehicle that I don't think we've ever talked about on the podcast before, because we don't often get the chance to drive minivans. Uh The reason for that is, I don't know if you've noticed, but SUVs have kind of taken over the market, Sammy. <laughs> yeah, three-row SUVs everywhere. It's just, it's ridiculous how many SUVs we drive, and that's largely pushed vans kind of to the background, but there are still a few of them out there. I, I think there's about five, if you count them, and as a result of, you know, sometimes... When there's less of a vehicle, it, it doesn't really get any attention, and they just kind of let it languish on the vine. Uh, like, full-size pickup trucks is a perfect example, like Toyota with the Tundra. There aren't hmm. that many different full-size trucks out there. But with minivans, it was kind of the opposite. It's like over the last five years, vans have gotten really, really good, and they've added a ton of features, some of them gimmicky, some of them not.
0: Uh, Yeah, okay. Most of them kind of gimmicky.
1: Well, I guess so. I, I Actually, this one, the one that we're talking about, has a few gimmicky features. Okay. Uh, what are I, we talking about? Get to it! It is, it is the 2019 Chrysler Pacifica plug-in hybrid, Sammy. Oh, cool. Uh, I believe the... it's the hybrid limited. I think that's the actual trim level.
0: And this is the only... Plug-in hybrid minivan in the market, right?
1: Yes, it is one of the five vans (laughs) that is out there. So, well, I mean, you can get a
0: Pacifica without the plug-in hybrid, too.
1: Yes, you can. And there are some interesting differences between them. Uh, Obviously, the...
0: Beyond that? I'm sorry? Beyond the fact that you can plug one in and the other one, you can't?
1: Well, that's one of the biggest ones. But even if you were to look at that difference itself... so. They both have a 3.6-liter V6 engine, but Mm -hmm. they're really different in how they're applied uh, when you're out on the road. They're not tuned the same way at all. Um, The 6-cylinder, you mean? Yeah, the V6. Yeah, so the the total system output for the hybrid version of the van is about 260 horsepower. That's kind of a fudge number because there's a lot of ways you can measure power when you have a pair of electric motors like this van does. But that's, I think... Uh, 26 or 27 horsepower less than the standard gas version of the of the vehicle. Okay. And, 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 the van is 500 pounds heavier than the normal van because of all that battery weight. 500 pounds
0: and 20 some odd horsepower um, more. That's the difference.
1: Yes, but, there is, but. the, the difference is don't end there, Sammy, because anyone who's driven a hybrid car, if you haven't driven a hybrid car, I guess is the better way to start that sentence, power delivery is a little bit different because... Torque from an electric motor is instantaneous. You don't have to wait for it like you do with a gasoline engine that has to rev to whatever RPM is most efficient for producing mm. its power. Uh, So that kind of takes up a lot of the slack when you're talking about a heavier, less powerful version of a vehicle compared to its gas competitor. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you're driving the van around, it really doesn't feel slow at all. In fact, it feels absolutely completely normal. There's nothing really about the Pacifica Hybrid that suggests it's a hybrid except for the fact that sometimes it gets really, really quiet while the electric Mm -hmm. motor is running.
0: Well, what about the fuel economy? You must have – how how often did you fill this thing up? And I would say – in comparison, uh-huh. I don't remember when you had
1: another. So, so, so here's the rub. I was not able to test that. I did not have a very long time with the van. Oh, no. Here's the thing. In the summer, the Jeep is parked in my parking spot that has access to a plug. I do not like leaving the Jeep on the street because there are terrible vandals in Montreal and uh, anything that looks different is always a target for a vandal. No. And as a result, in Montreal. as a result, I kept the van on the street most of the time. So I did not plug it in while I had it. So I was able to use the battery while the charge lasted, but okay. I did not regularly plug it in. And in some ways, that's a failure on my part. <laughs> We're not testing the, well, I wasn't able to find a charging station in the short time I had the vehicle. Um, But uh, in another way, it was interesting for me to see how the vehicle acted when it had a low charge. And it's very, very aggressive about using the electric motors as much as possible, about recharging the battery. I, I was able to recharge the battery using the braking system. So yeah. you can do that. So – and since almost all of my travel with the vehicle was in town, I was able to experience the electric motor because I was often creeping along at a slow speed or just even driving at a slow speed. It will keep the battery uh, – the ba- even a low battery charge will keep the electric motor going as long as it can. Um, this is actually one of the – I had a really
0: brief stint with the Pacifica Hybrid way back um, during the World Car of the Year testing, and I agree with you. It's impressive to see how fast the uh, electric battery can recharge through other means of, of charging, be it through the regenerative function or whatever. Um, I'm really impressed by that, and it made me think that the way you drove and lived with the vehicle for, uh, for your, your time with it is actually pretty feasible, if you don't, even if you don't have a plug all the time, um, or at, like access to a plug all the time, yeah, it, I, it, it's supposed you'll to, still bet you'll still benefit, you know.
1: Yeah, and it's supposed to give you even the battery range. It's not huge; it's thirty-two miles, like in ideal situations. You'll probably see just under thirty, like in real-world mm. driving. That's enough to drive around town. And if you're plugging it at work and plugging it at home, you might never need to put gas in the vehicle. Although, if it's a minivan chances are you bought that because you have children and chances are you bought that because you need to run errands with those children. So you're Mm going to be all over the place with the van and maybe that standard traditional hybrid mentality of plug in twice a day isn't going to satisfy all of your needs. I mean, it's not a Volt. It doesn't have a huge um, battery like a a more dedicated hybrid would, or sorry, a more dedicated electric car with a gasoline generator would. Yeah. um, that that's something to keep in mind, and uh, the 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 rating when you're not using, I mean, in traditional hybrid mode, it's 32 miles per gallon combined driving. Ooh. so that's pretty. That's 10 miles per gallon more than most other minivans in combined yeah. driving.
0: And then let's not even talk about some of those three row uh, crossovers they that, that like come with all wheel drive and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. So I, and and you know we we're talking about a 500 uh, pound weight difference with this van compared to the normal van. I mean, mm-hmm. crossovers, it's, it's going to be, you know, in some cases, a thousand-pound difference compared to a sedan. Yeah. Or um, it's it's just it, – it's a, it kind of a niche vehicle. Um, I mean,
0: isn't that what vans have turned into now? Like, it's so weird that everyone – there seems to be a, a crossover marketed for anybody and everybody. But, like, vans, like, who are they really for now? And you're like, for, like, diehard
1: families that – have family things to do. Yeah, they're definitely for families. And, you know, they're better than crossovers for families in so many ways. Oh because yeah, God. Yeah. Even this, so this version of the van, I mean, Chrysler is very famous. Not famous, but known for its stone and go seating, which allows you to fold the second row of seats into the floor. You get a completely mm-hmm. flat load floor. You don't have to take seats in and out. Uh, for the Pacifica Hybrid, it's a little bit of a different story. The rear seat, the third row, still folds flat into the floor. Mm-hmm. The center seats do not because that's where the battery is. So you have to take them okay. out. But if you do take them out, you get 140 cubic feet of cargo space. That Hmm. is like 20 to 30 more than even the biggest um, three-row crossovers or full-size SUVs out there. That's awesome. Holy cow. It's like a moving van. (laughs) It is. And, 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 and you can load it from either side using the power sliding doors. Right. Or the hatch at the back, which is a way lower load floor than an SUV.
0: Yeah. I mean, I – I get why people think vans are not cool or whatever, but they're actually – for what they do, it's so hard to beat them. Like if you're just looking for practicality for the the space to put stuff or people in, nothing will do better than a van, right?
1: No, I completely agree. And the same goes for like uh, full-size vans, which are still out there too. Um, whether it's a Transit or the – I think Chevy is still selling the Express vans, if that's possible. Uh, But those things are giant inside. Like a lot of people – oh, I'm looking for a tow vehicle where I can haul stuff, and they end up buying a Suburban or something. But you can always buy a van that has a really good tow rating and haul a lot more inside of it at the same time. Um, And, you know, you were saying that vans are kind of uncool. And I think in the past, a lot of the um, vitriol was – kind of aimed at the driving experience of a van i mean yeah this this car it it drives fine it's comfortable it is in no way engaging and i don't expect Mm -hmm. it to be and i don't care about that i think it's perfectly acceptable as it is uh but i think vans have really caught up in terms of luxury features that kind of make up for the fact that they're not interesting to drive because they end up being very comfortable and very fully featured and the pacifica hybrid in limited trim is a good example of that okay so what are you talking about I'm talking to get like a crazy What do you mean leather. by luxury features? Yes. I'm talking like a, a crazy leather interior, heated and cooled everything. Um, okay, time out. Let's time out. Let's time out for a second. What
0: is a crazy leather interior?
1: Like it's it's like not it's like you, you get in the van. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And there's a whip. There's a whip <laughs> hanging from the ceiling. You know what oh, I'm saying? Oh, that kind. Yeah, yeah, I got you. All right. No, okay, uh, cool. It's uh it's it's a cut above what you would expect from a, a minivan. Um, the design is nice. I mean, you and I, we both like Uconnect a lot. Yeah. It has the Uconnect infotainment system. It has a, a really easy-to-use control set on the dash. It, the dash is leather. The seats are leather. The the leather feels good. I mean, what I really like about the Pacific Limited is you can get this nice brown kind of like a chocolatey color leather. And it it really – when you have an interior this big, you don't necessarily want everything to be black or dark because it can feel kind of oppressive inside the vehicle. Um, And I I really like how the brown gives it even more of a spacious feel. It it just – it's more than what you would expect from a van. I'm not saying it's like a luxury car, but I'm not saying it's not like a luxury car, Sammy.
0: I mean I think what's really interesting is the Pacifica itself, I think at at a time when vans – um are are not as popular as crossovers and there's only a few of them on the market as you mentioned i think there's five you mentioned um let's say the the sienna the odyssey the uh, what's it called the kia one uh, Sedona. Sedona, and then we're talking about the pacifica and then is the grand cherokee still available
1: the grand the, grand, the Gar- grand caravan the caravan is still available it is still available uh, yeah. definitely in canada you can get a cargo one in the states i'm not sure if you can still i, I will look right now I-, okay. I think it is but it's again the i don't think it's, it's so, not the same platform
0: no Perci- that's what i think is really interesting is that they're like fca has this chrysler pacifica and then has this dodge caravan um and they're very they, they land on two different ends of the of the spectrum in terms of Uh, features and and uh, luxury elements
1: and price i mean and price yeah yeah, because this this vehicle the one i drove you're looking at 50 grand if you want to buy this vehicle uh that's that's like the top end it's got all the gear like a big panoramic sunroof and all the safety equipment that you could want um you add up all those options and you're at about fifty thousand dollars. But there is a seventy five hundred dollar income tax credit that goes with this vehicle. Oh right. Because it's a plug-in. I'm Intensive. not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna subtract that from the price and say this is a forty-three hundred forty-three thousand dollar vehicle because that's not how taxes work. And yeah. maybe that's not gonna be the, the the case for you when you do your taxes when you buy this yeah. vehicle. You need to look into that, check with your situation, check with your accountant, check with your dealer, all of that stuff. If you lease it, make sure you can still get the credit. Uh but it is there. And you don't have to spend that. You can spend i uh, the, the the base version of the Pacifica, which isn't as nice inside, starts at forty thousand. So I'm, I'm looking
0: at this forty thousand dollar model. It's got it's got ugly wheels, man.
1: Okay, well Sammy's spoken and no one should ever buy it apparently.
0: <laughs> you should get the fully loaded one for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: But uh, we were talking about gimmicks and weird gadgets and stuff earlier. So I was riding in a Pacifica the other day um, as a passenger in the third row. Mm -hmm. And this wasn't my tester, actually. It was a different vehicle. And there was like – it had the vacuum in the back. And I went to pull – you know, Honda added a vacuum recently, so everyone's like, oh, we need to have vacuums too, even though no one needs this. And uh, I I pulled the vacuum out to play with it because I was bored, and it was telling me that it had, like, low battery or something, and it needed to be charged. And I'm like, wait a minute. I just pulled it out from its little nook inside the fender. Why is the battery low? And – and why isn't it charging right now? And it, anyway, it was confusing, and no one could answer me uh, what was going on. So that is
0: weird. Did your tester have the 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 vacuum? I don't. I do not know. I did not. <laughs> I'm so proud of you there. for not even opening, not even
1: checking. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't leave the passenger seat, Sammy. No, that's not true. I hauled a bunch of stuff in it, but uh, yeah. So overall, I mean, it's a good van. <laughs> Yeah, why are you laughing? <laughs> because I think it's funny.
0: What, what? I'm I've entertained. Uh, I think one of the most interesting features of these Pacificas is that vacuum. Is the stone go seating? Is the the fact that this is a hybrid, a plug in hybrid? There is
1: no stone go seating.
0: Uh, well, in that sorry, in that third row, it folds kind yeah, of. Yeah, that's it not folds that's flat, not called it?
1: that's not called stone go.
0: Oopsies! Oops, my. uh, I'm sure someone's gonna get on my case about that.
1: We're gonna get letters.
0: (laughs) I hate those letters. Uh, We'll get. We'll figure out how to get them. Um, You know, there's all sorts of really important features of the van, but if the thing doesn't drive very well, if doesn't feel at all worth the fifty thousand dollars inside, then what's the point of buying it? And you seem to make it, make it, make a case for the vehicle even without all of the, without using all of those features. As in, like you didn't plug it in all the time. I don't you have. Didn't. I don't have. You did notice. You no, know? like so. Yeah.
1: It's. I don't. A lot of the it, rear seat entertainment and stuff like that doesn't get used, but it doesn't mean I right. don't recognize that they're useful. Except for the vacuum, which I think is a gimmick. And uh, apparently, and I have. I can't attest to this because I've sat in both, but I. I didn't feel a huge difference. Some people say that the hybrid has better middle row seats because they're not stow and go seats, so they're yeah. more adjustable and they're better cushioning. I don't know if that's true. That might just be someone's. You know, butt dyno tuned to a specific type of cushion. So I mean, aren't
0: all of our seats uh, handled with a butt dyno of some kind? I, um, I, I agree I with them to be honest. It. I think that the um, the stone go seats are uh, in the in normal models are not as comfortable as the removable bucket seats that you would usually get. Uh, so I, I definitely agree with them in that
1: case. What's it can say, you talk yeah. w- one more thing? I want to mention you can't tow with the hybrid, even though you can tow thirty six hundred pounds with the regular Pacifica. Uh-huh. I don't know why, but don't do it if you want to keep your warranty. I guess. <laughs> uh, I wonder if that has something to do with the
0: powertrain or the the transmission in a uh, a hybrid vehicle.
1: It, it's entirely possible. It also might be a heat management situation.
0: Yeah, um, vans, yeah. man they're they're I really love them. Like I actually always enjoy
1: van. Didn't, didn't you live in a van for a few months? Yeah, down by the river. When you were in between in between jobs? Um, I don't want to talk about
0: that, but I do want to talk about this class of vehicle is completely overlooked um and it always seems like First of all, only one automaker has invested in a in a new platform for their for their van, and that's Chrysler. And it seemed like the Odyssey and the
1: No, the Odyssey was new recently. It was two years ago that or three years ago, wasn't it, that it got a new platform? It was the Is same it platform. new? It's all new? It was the same platform as the pilot. When they did the pilot, oh. they did the Odyssey at the same time. And that's okay. why people were people were so they got very catty about the pilot and basically insulted it and insinuated it that it was just a minivan with all-wheel drive on stilts. And I, I didn't right. think that was fair. I, I think there are differences between those vehicles. But that was the, that was the word of the street, Sammy. I, I don't know if you heard that down by the river, but...
0: No, I didn't. And then there's the Sienna and the, and the Sedona um which are and the caravan which has been trucking along for as long as i guess like a challenger has it just won't change it seems um these are all they all like occupy a very unique space in in the van segment and it does seem like as much as i said there's a crossover for everyone there is a van probably for every kind of um every budget and every type of family out there so i always think if you're not satisfied with what Um, A crossover is giving, especially a three-row crossover, which never seemed that comfortable in the third row and never seemed seemed spacious enough or practical enough um, when compared to a a minivan. Like, honestly, grab a a minivan. Unless you desperately need all-wheel drive, there's no reason um, a minivan wouldn't do the trick for you.
1: And if you do need all-wheel drive, you can get it with the Sienna. So right,
0: the Sienna, and you would also probably get that great uh, alarm clock, microwave clock in the dash as well.
1: I like to point out, and I, I, I this is off the top of my head, but fifty thousand dollars for the the hybrid version of the Pacifica, that's comparable, I do believe, to the top line Sienna and Odyssey trips. is it not? Is it? Wow! Those are that makes them quite expensive. Then I think I I mean don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure you can buy a very very expensive version of the Sienna, <laughs> and and you get that vehicle, but you do not get um uh you, you don't get the hybrid system that comes with the Chrysler. So you're paying. It, 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 interestingly enough, so that the, the the Sienna does start a lot cheaper. It's it's thirty one thousand, right. mm-hmm. but and it
0: maxes out about forty four thousand. Does it even with
1: yeah. even once you add options though?
0: Oh, I didn't look at the the addition. Oh, tonight. you could
1: buy a limited premium for $47,980.
0: And then, yeah, and then what so is this other one that, that's $49,300? Oh, whatever. That's yes. very <laughs> Go <ahead>.
1: close. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. Okay. And then you'd
0: be saving money on gas too.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're not going to get into that. I bugaboo. mean, <laughs> sure. um. Yeah, okay, if you buy it with all-wheel drive, a CN is $50,460. Okay. With no tax and, credit and no hybrid systems. So, and a
0: fully loaded uh, Honda Odyssey Elite is... Um, I'm almost there, give me a second. Oh my goodness. Is 50120 at MSRP before... Um, before... What's it called? Delivery.
1: So I'm going to say that the Chrysler is a bit of a deal. It is at that price. Uh, I mean, I even if it didn't right. have a discount, even if it didn't have a discount, you get the hybrid system too. Because mm-hmm. if you don't want the hybrid system, you can buy a cheaper Pacifica, and, still and you get... get all the
0: all the all the other features. Yes, exactly. Sorry, I I stole your I stole it from you. That's okay. You. It's fine. Your declaration. What should we talk about next? <laughs> um. Hold on, though. Like, I want to talk about minivans. Are they ever going to make a comeback? No, I don't think no. so. That's well, it.
1: You know what? It's hard to say because. Uh, it seems like Europeans are trying to bring wagons back <laughs> yeah and i don't I don't understand why because crossover sales are doing so well, but uh Audi's bringing back like the a six all road um mm. to join the a four all road that's out there, and uh they're they're gonna bring back an s r s six wagon to north america okay and um Volkswagen or sorry, not Volkswagen but Mercedes has the c class wagon now, which mm. is i think available in the United States, is it not?
0: the C Class wagon i don't think i don't think it is yet
1: okay because i know that the c43 is not uh Mm -hmm. even though it's available here in canada anyway it just seems like they're pushing for that and i never thought that would happen i I thought that they had completely backed away from that so i don't know it's it's hard because how do you market a minivan on anything other than practicality You, you really don't um and you can't make them cool so what's the upside for like nissan tried to bring back the quest recently and then I think gave up. Like it's done. Dude. Yeah. Like that was yeah. a very <laughs> short period of time. On the right, it was actually a
0: really impressive vehicle as well, but it was super expensive. If I remember correctly, and it was
1: smaller than the other vans. Yeah, if I recall, and it all, and and uh, I don't know. What the appeal is of a less functional minivan? <laughs> it's, you really well, I mean, gotta, I
0: always loved the Mazda five and the Rondo because they had these smaller, they're like these mini minivans. The right? five
1: is a very cool vehicle. Uh, I know I didn't like how hard it was to get to the rear seat, but everything else about it, it drove very nice. And that's that's I think in the category of the MPV, which is another European category. Yeah, car I want to talk
0: about these MPVs.
1: We don't really get them here. Anymore. We don't. Um, we don't even get anything close to them anymore. Well, Kia, um, Kia sold the Rondo for a while in Canada yeah. after it left the United States, but I think that was kind of the closest. To me. The Mercedes B-Class is an almost M- MPV. It doesn't have like a third row seating or like no. jump seats or whatever. No, but it's, um, that's, that's as close as we got from them. Today's
0: episode is brought to you by Roland Gumpert and the Gumpert Natalie, a pure electric super sports car that's powered by a methanol fuel cell. That means this isn't really a hydrogen fuel cell or a battery-powered EV. Instead, electricity is delivered via a chemical reaction with air and methanol. Methanol is cheaper than gas and easier to transport than hydrogen, making it an ideal power source. While you drive, the fuel cell provides a steady stream of energy to the electric motors. When you're low on methanol, it takes just three minutes to refuel. The Natalie is expected to have a range of 530 miles, but that's not the only number that matters. The Natalie is extremely fast, with 800 horsepower, delivered by four EV motors. It hits 60 in just 2.5 seconds and has a top speed of 190 miles per hour. It also looks pretty badass, like it jumped out of a video game. To learn more about this electric super sports car, check our link in the show notes or head to RolandGumpert.com it's so interesting so again this is something you were mentioned these europeans are bringing back these wagons and they also have these mpds these small vans they're like uh i think seven seat vans they go uh two three two in terms of layout for the store second row and third row um and they're these are what europeans buy when when they need space for a family and they don't really opt for a ginormous um crossover like an atlas or something like that um and i and i saw these in in europe just a short while ago and i thought i found it so interesting the the change in in terms of landscape in terms of what you see on the roads
1: now sammy we've talked a lot about minivans in the last little yep. while but you have recently driven something that is the sworn enemy of the minivan the crossover the crossover, the crossover. and which particular crossover did you spend time with
0: i drove the uh bouncing and bobbin mercedes-benz gle 450 wait which what is... does
1: what does bouncing and bobbin mean what are you talking about
0: I mean, I don't know if you've I, – I, I'm certain I've talked to you about this before, but the new Mercedes products come with a 48-volt-mile hybrid system, and that also enables a special uh, electronically controlled suspension system, which allows it to um, bounce and, and jump around and tilt and turn um, in a very unique way. Okay. I haven't told you about – I'm sure I've told you about this during the first drive way back. Why would I want that? So Mercedes said that they came up with this plan when they were watching people get stuck or analyzing what happens when you get stuck. In fact, I think they themselves got stuck while testing the vehicle in some sand or some snow. And um, somebody came and, you know, kind of like pushed on the back of the vehicle. Um, Instead of like just pushing it forward, some people also know that you need to push uh, down sometimes. You kind of like make this rocking motion um, when trying to get a vehicle unstuck. Um, and they were like, well, that's great. We would love to figure out a fee- a way to make that work without having somebody stand behind the car yeah, and because doing that for you.
1: I don't have any friends. Exactly.
0: So and when you get stuck, that's it. You're done. I'm stuck alone. You have to wait for either the snow to melt or um, some winds to carry the sand away. And so they came up with this feature. Um, I think it's called uh, recovery or off-road assistance. And basically the car kind of bounces up and down um, and, and is made to, to help either put some some pressure on the drive wheels and uh, pull it out of some a a stuck situation which i I think is is an interesting um what's the word i'm looking for innovation for sure because i'm sure luxury car buyers who do get stuck do not want to go outside and push their vehicle especially one as big as um, a mercedes-benz gle but it also looks really silly and you can do it when you're not stuck as well.
1: This, to me, just screams gimmick. I'm sorry. Uh, it's, I've seen videos of this in action, and mm-hmm. I have a real hard time taking it seriously. I mean, 99% of these vehicles, this particular model, will never go off-road.
0: So I, I'm, I don't think it's for
1: off-road, and
0: I also truly believe it's for snow. But then again, these things have 4 and they have a lot of ground clearance. It would take a pretty – I don't want to say boneheaded move to well, get a, a, a vehicle. bad
1: tires would get you stuck pretty easy. Yeah. But I don't know if jumping up and down on summer tires in the snow is going to have an effect
0: it's still boneheaded move to be driving a car in some snow, in summer tires in the snow, right? Yes. Like that's, a, that's asking for trouble. It would, it, I don't know. It would take a really, t- uh, a really weird sort of driver to be, to find themselves stuck in a GLE, which is a big vehicle. This is not a compact. This is not something with a limited amount of ground clearance. It's not something with a lot, uh, like a limited amount of power or a, or a weak slip and grip all wheel drive system. This is a fully featured luxury vehicle my car my car was really close to one hundred thousand dollars in terms of uh, an as tested price Wow, and I don't think that um it would be it would ever be caught off guard, but obviously mercedes benz has gotten it stuck themselves once or twice and uh, came up with this feature to to alleviate that situation
1: okay, so that being said. Um, how many? Times Is there other
0: you... things that I need to talk to you about this car, like no. the powertrain or how, how much many times economy or anything like
1: that? How many times did you use the front, back, and side to side during the week that you had the vehicle?
0: Okay, so I use a drive mode that's called Curve, and that allows the vehicle to um, turn into a corner like a, like a motorcycle would. And I know that really sounds um, unnecessary. It sounds, it sounds unnecessary. And there are three levels to this. And the third one that they explained to me during a press program last year is actually um, over the top, unnecessary. But the way it works, so when you take a corner, you kind of feel your, your weight shifting to the outside. You kind of push up against the, the outer edge. You yourself push out on the outer edge of the, of the vehicle. And by tilting the vehicle in, you're maintaining this like central center of balance that's helping you feel a little bit more natural through the car. Um, and it's supposed to help deter um, motion sickness, which I thought was very interesting and especially weird because the car itself is moving even more. Um, and to balance the the person's head, that sort of um, where their their head and their their focus is on the drive, it will help in that situation as well.
1: Did you notice any kind of like? Do you get motion sick in cars?
0: No, I don't. And I usually find myself in the driver's seat as well. And I don't think drivers get motion sickness as as easily as passengers do did you did
1: you um i've lost my train of thought here Did Did i ask
0: anybody did i try to get anyone motion sickness motion sick and i was like yeah but what about this and then feature.
1: (laughs) no i was gonna say did you do you think it's more effective than those bracelets that they give you i I don't know so sammy and i go on a lot of press trips humble brag and on these events we're often given um anti-nausea medicine because you know as Sammy pointed out, when you're driving, it's not usually that bad. But if you're a passenger and you're on a twisty road, things can get intense for some people. But in, in addition to like little pills of gravel, they also give you these pressure point bracelets that go on your wrist and are yeah. apparently supposed to fight nausea that way. I don't know if that's scientific or not, but I also don't know if Mercedes-Benz's approach is scientific either. <laughs> yeah. so they, I mean, they
0: applied some science to it as well. But you know what? Gravel is a tough thing to recommend if you're feeling uh, motion sickness um mainly because you can get a little sleepy sometimes or your your reaction could could your reaction times could be a little bit off as well and uh especially on a drive program or in a situation where you might be asked to drive i would probably not recommend taking a gravel you know what i mean
1: yeah for sure
0: but yeah those bracelets come on now uh maybe somebody else will will chime in and be like those bracelets saved my life <laughs> um the mercedes honestly i i'm I really do like the GLE. I do agree with you. I think that feature is um, gimmicky, and the amount of, of um, wheel travel and suspension travel that this thing offers with this advanced suspension system is it's hilarious- looking. I mean, you can it looks like there's an extra feet of space between the wheel and the wheel and the top of the wheel well. It's like so much, so much space. And, and uh, I,
1: if you had to pick... It looks be- like a lifted truck like at some time. If you had to pick between a rear seat vacuum cleaner or yeah. the front back side to side switch flipping fun in the GLE, <laughs> which would you pick? That's a really tough question. Honestly, it's a battle of the gimmicks.
0: I, I think that... Well, I truly believe a vacuum cleaner is... Um, Less gimmicky because Especially if you have kids and they drop stuff on the ground At least I know kids They're always like forgetting that they've got stuff in their hands And then they open their hands again and it's all over the floor Uh, And you have to clean them up But then again, sometimes you have like floor mats Have I run out of time in answering the question
1: yet? Yeah, sorry, we're moving on Um, If you could be any animal, what animal would you be? (laughs) Well, I mean Does it have to be four legs or two legs? It It doesn't have have to be a real animal It could be a (laughs)
0: fictional animal Oh yeah, then a griffin
1: Oh, that's a, that was very quick. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, I think the vacuum is more useful, but um, if you're spending all this money on a on a luxury vehicle, you need something that is really over the top. And I think this bouncing off-road recovery feature is that fe is that thing. And when your friends. Uh, or your or your neighbors are like, oh, Sammy's stuck in the snow. Let me go over to help. Whoa, what's this car doing? It's bouncing its way out of the snow. They're going to be like, that's amazing. And then that's it. That's the end of the story.
1: <laughs> okay, so let's talk about something that's not gimmicky out of this car. Hit me with something that's actually useful. A uh, 3-liter
0: turbocharged inline-six engine with a 48-volt mild hybrid system is found under the hood. It makes 362 horsepower and 369 pound-feet of torque, and it does 0-60 to 60 in 5.7 seconds, which really isn't that slow and it's kind of impressive for a car that weighs, uh, I have it in kilos so let me just convert this to pounds um, Ben, you know I always have my it's you think it's um,
1: 5.7 to 60? Yeah Okay
0: Sorry, give me a second, uh, I don't know how to convert things.
1: It's 2.2 2.
0: Oh yeah, of course This is a 5,000 pound vehicle Okay. And it does 0 to 16 5.7 seconds, that's pretty impressive, isn't
1: it? I mean, I'm casually impressed by this number. So continue. I'm casually impressed about me. Um, it also has that another gimmicky feature,
0: uh, MBUX or MBUX, as I think Mercedes would prefer us to call it, which Ooh. is their infotainment system, which responds to the words or the the activation keyword of "Hey Mercedes." <laughs> um, I don't think you have to say it like a question like that. I think you have to. You can make a statement, but you can also uh, command the car to do a bunch of things that you can probably do with your
1: fingers. I personally I'm not a big one big user of voice controls in a vehicle. Um, I use it for let's say I'm dialing the phone and I'm scrolling mm-hmm. instead of scrolling through an address book, I'll use the voice commands there, which is always mm-hmm. hit or miss because people's names, you know, are can be pronounced in a variety of ways, especially where I live in, in Quebec where they could be French names or English names mm-hmm. and it doesn't like me to mix those. But uh, do you, do you use ever any of these commands? Okay, for a few of them,
0: um, absolutely because um, I hate to say this, but the it's not the infotainment system's fault. It's the fact that a GLE comes with so many features and so many functions that to access them using the infotainment system is actually, uh, 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 like, it maddening. It's absolutely insane. I couldn't figure out how to use – now, this car comes with massage seats. I couldn't figure out how to use them. So wow. I just said, hey, Mercedes, turn on the massage
1: seats, and bam, it works. And Aren't there that, buttons on the door for that? No, not on this car. I don't know why. Wow. You know, yeah, exactly. that's kind of an interface failure, though. <laughs> if you and, can't figure yeah. out how to use a feature-laden system, then those features may as well not be there, right?
0: Absolutely. And, I mean, that. it turns out that that massage seat was all part of their uh, – some another weird marketing – I think they call it energizing comfort or something like that, which includes, like, the fragrance and um, it changes the theme on the infotainment system to make it look more, like, relaxing and stuff like that. Um, so I found a whole new bunch of features just by talking to the car instead of trying to scroll through it while I was driving. Um, so yeah, I do find those features somewhat usable, but that's only because there are so many other extras in these cars that, um, make it frustrating to use and you almost have to resort to voice communication, um, to get anything done. Okay. Um, yes. No, Continue. I was going to try to find out how much this car costs. It starts at um, in the U S it starts at about 53,000, which isn't that bad, but that's for the, um, the GLE 350. Um, The model I had was the 450 and that starts at 61,000. And I had it with literally every feature you can think of uh, mainly because I think Mercedes wanted to show off every feature that they offer in the car. Um, And Honestly, I'm impressed with all of the things that it's got. It's got a gorgeous uh, panoramic sunroof. It's got this big, um, very customizable infotainment system, as well as a digital gauge cluster, which I think is starting to get up to the standards of um, Audi's, what's it called, virtual cockpit. And I think Mercedes deserves a lot of credit for for that um, jump. Um, And I found the interior to be really comfortable and, and gorgeous, in addition to very quiet. Um, As I said, this car will cost a ton of money. Let me try to fully spec one out here for you, and I'll give you that figure right now. Are you ready for this, man?
1: I'm ready for this, but I also have a question for you.
0: Talk to me while I'm figuring it out.
1: So would you buy this over an X5 or a Q7?
0: Okay, so this really truly depends on how you prefer your your driving experience. I don't think the Mercedes GLE is as fun to drive as those other two cars, especially the X5, which feels very good on the road. But I think it's more luxurious and it feels more um, more high-end. It just feels more special than an X5. And that's the thing. There's, no, there's
1: no third row, right? There can be a third row. Okay, so it's like the X5 and that you can add it if you want to. A really, young, But you probably shouldn't.
0: Yeah, you really yeah. shouldn't get this third row. Um, I would recommend this easily to the people who have the money for it um and i truly think that you should get one with uh as much of the trimmings as you can
1: get um so you're saying go all out spend all your money if you're gonna why not end up in the poor house sleep in your car join sammy down by the river yeah in his pacifica hybrid
0: i haven't gotten the pacifica hybrid yet Aww. it's expensive still um, working his
1: way up from the Econoline. line yes so do you have do you have a final price in this vehicle yet? Joe, take it easy over here. It's it's been conservatively sixteen minutes since you saw. Uh, I
0: believe the one I have, very quickly I've I've backed it out. Uh eighty three thousand US um and it came to, it came close to about a hundred and seven thousand in the uni- in Canada. Which so that's is a very, lot of-
1: very similar to the X five though. Yeah. And like but, I said, but the yeah. X five at that price comes with a V eight, does it not? Yes. So that's that's an important consideration as well. I mean Again, I don't necessarily think – when you said f- f- the X5 is more fun to drive, I don't think any of them are fun to drive, but it's yeah. definitely going to be quicker.
0: It's, it is. And there are AMG versions of the GLE coming, um, but uh, they haven't arrived yet. So That's, um, that's my note for you. I do great. like this car. I, I do think that Mercedes has a gorgeous interior design language. I don't know if their exterior design language is as um, impactful as their interior design language. I think this car looks a little bland, a little bit close to the old one that replaced. And as I mentioned before, the car has unusually light steering. It's um, very vague in terms of how it feels on the road. Um, and probably you need that weird tilting feature because otherwise the car just feels like it's not even attached to the road in any way or form.
1: So um, is there is there anything else that you want to say about the vehicle before we wrap things up?
0: Actually, don't we have one more thing to talk about? Um, we had a question last week from a from a... a a listener yes Do you want to talk about this
1: yeah we had someone write into us uh which we appreciate a long-time listener actually and they were curious about sammy was talking of i don't know if it was last week or the week before the mini cooper s Mm -hmm. and you were into it
0: yeah you like i did did say that the cooper s the or any mini is a car that you have to be into to get and otherwise you're better off getting a performance vehicle if you want the performance, or a far more affordable compact car with more features.
1: So uh, the question we were posed is, how does this Cooper S fit in when you're comparing it against vehicles like the Fiesta ST and the Veloster N? And um, those three vehicles might seem dissimilar at first, but they're all roughly the same size. Mm. Um, They're all at very different price points, and they're all at different power points. So it's kind of an interesting—this is not an apples-to-apples comparison, but these are three vehicles that are— Conceivably being cross-shopped because they're all small, fun, turbocharged hatchbacks. Sammy, you've driven all three of these vehicles.
0: Yeah, and uh, it's a tough comparison to make. The Mini has all of this charm. I've got to say this is the most—it's the most ridiculous, uh, meaningless word to tell you right now. But charm—if you—if you look at it and you like the way it looks, if you get in it, you like the way. Um, The interior is laid out. If you like all of that stuff, there's nothing will replace what a Mini offers, okay? But a Veloster N, first of all, has exterior. um, It it does look pretty cool on the exterior. It It drives so good. It drives so well. And it's, Um, it's quicker, is it not, than the Cooper? Oh, yeah. It's so fast, too. Uh, and it's got a ton of performance-oriented features. It truly is the performance-oriented version uh, of this kind of segment. It's not quite a compact – it's not quite a full – sorry. It's not quite the size of a compact, and it's a little bit bigger than a subcompact, I think. So it kind of like straddles this line, uh, and it's got this weird three-door layout. So the Veloster End is a totally bizarre vehicle, but I would really recommend it if you're an automotive enthusiast, if you're looking for something that's fun – Um, And you don't want to break the bank. The
1: Veloster N is just that perfect, perfect uh, combination of all those things. Now, now the Fiesta ST Mm is a vehicle I personally do not enjoy driving. Um, I found it's very frenetic compared to the Focus ST. Just the power delivery, you're shifting a lot. Uh, It's asking – you're constantly being asked to rev the engine. And uh, it feels a little buzzy and overworked at times. Now, I realize I'm the only person in the world, the only enthusiast who actually feels that way about the ST. Hmm. Um, so it wouldn't be my pick. But, Sammy, what do you think of it? Now, you're right. The Veloster uh, – sorry, the Fiesta
0: ST has this really interesting engine setup where you have to constantly shift. And then you get rewarded with this, like, surge of power that just isn't long enough. Do you know what I mean? Like, you get it for a moment. And you're like, oh, time to change gears. Like, yeah, it's it's not my cup of tea. But I do really like the, the handling characteristics of the Fiesta ST. I think it, for the time when it came out, was kind of, uh, was actually very impressive. And at the time was better than what the Veloster Turbo offered. But now it feels like a generation behind. And, and it's gone. Uh, I mean, there's not yeah. going
1: to be another one. So what we have is what you're going to get for the foreseeable future because Ford has walked away from the uh, passenger car market.
0: But that means that you're going to be able to find a Fiesta ST on the used car market and you're probably going to enjoy that driving experience as well. And hopefully
1: hopefully you'll be able to get parts.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I also think that It's a little bit cheaper. It doesn't feel as higher end as the Mini would. And even some parts of the Veloster feel quite bespoke and special. So that's my take. If you really want to save money, that's the the Fiesta SD is your choice. If you're an enthusiast, the Veloster N is the better pick. And then if you just really are into the Mini look and design language, um, then you can't beat the Cooper S.
1: So, uh, Sammy, if someone else wanted to ask us a question about a vehicle that we've discussed previously on podcasts or about anything really related to automotive or maybe a deeply personal question about Sammy's life specifically, how would they get in touch with us? I, well, I, I, I can also answer questions about Sammy's <laughs> life. Just just so. Uh, I think the best way to do it is to come to our
0: website. That's unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. And once you're there, you can – first of all, you'll be able to see all of our previous episodes. So you can do a little bit of boning up on my personal history if that's what you're into or maybe Ben's personal history or how we know each other and all that I'm a stuff. ghost online. Good luck. <laughs> uh, but while you're at the website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, you're, you'll see a contact form or a contact button. You click on that, fill it out. Bam. goes to right to either one of our inboxes. Or – If you don't want to – yeah. What's yeah, that, Ben?
1: I was just going to say, I mean – You don't have, if you don't have web access, which I mean, who really does anymore? It's all apps. It's all apps, Sammy. You can reach Sammy online at Twitter. Uh, because he is very thick skin and you can reach him at sammy underscore ha like you're laughing or you can find me on instagram where which is actually where our most recent question came from where everyone is friendly people share great images and everyone has a really good time i'm at hunting benjamin or you can email me benjamin at benjamin or you can send a smoke signal or a morse code and i will attempt to learn either of those coded languages and respond to you in kind (laughs) um okay what are we talking about next week Ben? next week i'm going to be comparing a pair of super fast suvs that i drove back to back the mercedes amg glc 63s which is actually not sold in america strangely and the alfa romeo stelvio quadrifoglio very cool that's exciting and i'll have the porsche cayenne to talk about
0: so be sure to check in next week uh, on the unnamed automotive podcast this week's podcast was brought to you by Roland Gumpert and the Gumpert Natalie. This is the first electric car with a methanol fuel cell. This means that the car can be refueled quickly and affordably and doesn't need a fancy hydrogen tank or heavy EV batteries. It's also incredibly fast with a 0-60 to 60 time of 2.5 seconds. Did we mention that it's a sexy two-door speed machine? Be sure to head to RolandGumpert.com to learn more or check the links in our show notes.